And we have been doing, and next week will be our last series, something that uh, uh, I just thought about something in January. We set goals, and I, I thought, well, let's use some of these metaphors in the Bible so that people can be challenged to set goals. And our first week was a runner run the race like a sprint. And the tape is like there, and he's extending it to try to win that race. And our lesson that I wanted you to get was try to extend and do a little bit more this year. And there's, we all could do a little bit more. And then the next week was a runner that was running in a race. And in order to win the prize, he had to get into the race. And I talked about uh, the metaphor. The lesson was the goal ought to be doing something to get in the race. You'll never win a prize if you don't get in the race and being involved in some kind of ministry. Last week, uh, Brother Mark was supposed to preach, and uh, but we talked about a soldier, we talked about a farmer, and we talked about an athlete. And every single one of them uh, had to be faithful. They had to follow the rules. They had to do certain things and everything. And we talked about the need to find faithful people to invest in and, and for ourselves to be, this year, set a goal to be faithful. And this year... Uh, I'm going to kind of try to hit two different areas. I'm going to try to hit a ch our church, but I'm going to try to hit our marriages. I'm going to try to hit our relationships uh, inside and outside the church with other Christians. And uh, we're going to talk today about how the church is like a house, okay? And how many have ever heard people say this, okay? And uh, I I've, I've seen in churches before where they have a sign, you're entering into the house of God. Be quiet. And um, that's, that's not actually biblical here. This is not the house of God. How many have ever heard people say, don't run in the house of God, okay? And, and what they mean is don't run where we worship. We worship. This is where we worship God, okay? How many of you know that the house of God is right here? When, when I leave, the house of God leaves, okay? This building stays here. This is a building that we worship in. We come together. The house of God comes to literally a building to do this here. And a lot of times people, um, and, and I always tell kids too, not to run in church too as well too, uh, but, uh, but how, many, how many agree that a lot of times people, they, they, they think that the church is the house of God as far as they think the building is the house of God, but really God lives in the people inside of me and so when you walk inside of this church the spirit of God is inside of you here and he is inside of you and the house of God is coming to the church here and I want you to think about a house for a second here and building a house and I remember and uh, we're going we're to look at a couple uh, illustrations today but I can remember one time visiting in a really, really fancy house. Up, the, This couple invited us up to, it was many, many years ago, invited us up to um, Point Mountain, and they had a gorgeous house. And at the time, I remember telling my kids, my mom came with us. I said, don't touch nothing. <laughs> just sit there, just sit there, eat, don't say anything. You know how little kids are, you know. I've had four, I know how they are. And I say, Don't, this is a beautiful house. Don't touch nothing here, okay? And uh, I, thought, I thought, man, that couple, man, I thought, man, great marriage, everything. 
great everything. You, you know, you got this beautiful home, and you, how many ever sometimes on Facebook you get this misconception about people put all these pictures, and we, we have this misconception here, oh, everything's perfect here, okay, when in reality it's not here. And so I get this uh, house, and I'm thinking, man, this must be a good God, God. God must be in this marriage, and God must be. And a few years later, they departed. And I thinking, I told my wife, I said, what happened? What happened here? What happened? I mean, it looked like on the outside, big, beautiful house here. It looked like what is on the inside, everything would have been gone. But later to find out after talking, there was a lot of hostility in that home. And I don't know about you, how many have ever been into a church building? I'm not saying the house of God, but how many have ever been into a church building? Thank God we don't have this, but there's hostility toward sometimes somebody in that building, and you can almost feel it when you walk in. How many have ever been like that before? There's ever been a, a, a church split before? I remember one time walking into a church, and I'm thinking... Something's not right here. You know, is this the Hatfields and this McCoys at church here? How many remember what the Hatfields McCoys are? They did what? They were famous for what? Feud here. And, uh, you know, as a church, one time, Jewish people here, uh, they were, they are God's chosen people. They still are. We are grafted in. God has a timetable. That's another sermon here. The church has not taken place. But the Jewish people toward all other nations, which the Bible calls them Gentiles here, they really didn't associate with them, and they didn't look at them. They were God's people, and they said, hey, there's, there was a, almost like a hostility there here. And we're going to see here that Jesus makes the whole world of a difference. And you realize you want to have a good marriage and a good church Jesus makes the whole difference in anything. I've seen a husband get saved and, 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 and a wife get saved and bring Jesus in that home. And boy, it changes everything. And how many agree that Jesus changes everything in a relationship? How many have unsaved family members and you go, you go to the holidays here and you're like, okay. <laughs> This is, this is exciting here, but how many have ever been around a bunch of people who are spirit-filled and you can feel the love of God and you can say, Jesus changes everything. And I, I tell you what, Jesus, it does, it changes everything. And I want you to look at verse 11, and uh, I want you to notice how verse 11, I've been teaching you this, how does verse 11, Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11 start out as? What's that word? Help me now. Wherefore. Remember that word, wherefore and therefore, means for this reason. And if you have to back up, you have to talk about how God didn't save us according to his works. He saved us according to his grace and his kindness toward them. And God was a loving God, and God saved people here, and that, that we should walk in these good works here. So what Paul has in Ephesians... He has two groups of people in this church. He has some Jewish people, and he has some what's called Gentiles, other nations in the, uh, of the world here. That's what this means here. And we'll give you some practical things on, on 
how, how the church is like a house. And, but look what it says right here. Wherefore, verse 11, remember that you being in times past, you were called Gentiles. That means other nations of the world, other than the Jewish nation, God's chosen people, they were in the flesh and they were called, what were they called? Uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by the hands. Now, I want to give you a real quick test, uh, technology of what that means here. Jewish people back in Genesis, God made them the chosen people here. And he gave the males a mark, female, uh, mark and if, not going into details here, a mark of cutting away of the foreskin. And it was a sign that they were God's chosen people here, okay? And so the Jewish people here, because they were circumcised and many other nations of the world didn't circumcise, they, they called the uncircumcision, we are the people of God and you are not the people of God. Now let's pause right here. Can you imagine if this side of the church said, coming in the church building saying, we are the elite people of God. We know the Bible more than anybody, and you guys over here, sorry, we're a little bit more spiritual toward you. Now, Brittany, if this side, nothing, we're not making a, a feud here, how would you honestly feel if this side had that attitude where we said, we have a special privilege, we're closer to God, we've been saved longer here, and you guys, you're not circum, well, obviously you're not circumcised, but you don't have that special relationship. How would you feel toward that side, in all honesty? Yeah, you probably wouldn't want to sit in here because you would feel like there's some kind of division that would be going on. Now, you realize sometimes in a church and in a, in a marriage and even in relationships that once were close, you can have a division here. And what Paul has, he has uh, how the attitude of the people they looked at people that before they were saved, this is how they looked. They said, we're the circumcised. You guys are not here. Now look at verse 12. That at the time you were without what? Christ. That means we had a Messiah, but you didn't here. Okay? So he said these people were saying here, we have this special privilege. We have a Messiah we have a special privilege. We're God's chosen people, but you guys don't hear, okay? But now you do hear, but look what he says right here. I'm just trying to get you to see the sides. And it says, it says, um, where was I at? As it says, at the, uh, verse 12, at the time you were without Christ, being alienated by the commonwealth of Israel here, okay? That means that alienated of the commonwealth is was you was you wasn't part of Israel you wasn't part of this people so it would be like us saying okay we're Americans but uh, say Nicaragua you're over there and we're here you're there so can you imagine the attitude here here of the people saying we're a part of Israel we have a special relationship with God but you guys don't here okay and they almost what happens, it bred over, and look what he says right here. And you were strangers, notice that word strangers, and remember that word strangers, from the covenant of providence, having no hope, 
without God in the world here. So what I'm trying to see here is this is how one group of people in the church look at another group of people. Jewish people said, you, have, you don't have no hope. You, 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 we've got it all. And uh, we've got the promises you don't, which was true, right? Okay. So what happens here? God says, I can't have this in my church. And do you realize, folks, disunity in a marriage, disunity in, in, in a team, disunity in a church, disunity in a, in a relationship, it cannot happen for it to function properly. My wife and I were, were talking about a project we wanted to do. I had one point of view. She had another point of view. I said, ladies' choice because ladies decorate the house, and I just live in the house, okay? But I wanted to do it a certain way here, but finally I said, yes, ma'am. Okay, okay. Now, now my point is okay. I really, really wanted to do something a certain way, and uh, she wanted to do something a certain way. But ultimately here, can you imagine the relationship of how you're going to bring these two types of people together? Now, how do you bring two types of people together? One who thinks we are it. One who hates one another. That would take a miracle of God. But notice what happens in verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you were or sometimes were afar off or near or nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. Who brought the two groups together? Jesus Christ. Now, do you know what? who in every church, in every relationship, in every home, you know how you keep it united here? You keep focus. Jesus is the center of my home, my marriage, my relationships, my church here. Now, this pulpit here is the center. There's a cross here. But ultimately, the center of every one of us, it's got to be. It can't be about the pastor here. Okay, I, I've, I've had some friends that are pastors, very strong-willed. They think it's all about them okay here. But it can't be about them. For a church to be united, and just like you and your marriage, if you want your marriage to be strong, it's not 50-50. It's 100-100. And you know what? You want it to be strong, it's got to be Jesus Christ focused here. And praise the Lord for 27 years of our, my, our marriage. You say, Pastor, have you ever had some disagreements with my wife? Yeah. You ever not seen some things? But it's always been about Jesus here. Jesus has always been. Now, as long as we keep Jesus in the center of the building and he's a part of the house, when we walk in, what is the attitude going to be in the church service? One of hatred? One of anger? When people got to walk on their shelves? Or, Ronnie, can you feel free to tell a good joke and people can actually laugh? And people can handshake and people can hug. And after flu season, I'm going to get back to handshaking, you know, things like this, okay? Uh, my point is, okay, which would you rather have in your church? One of disunity, say amen, or one of unity? Now, the way to do this, I want you to notice here. Jonathan, could you bring up this slide here? And we're going to give some practical things of how to do this here. Look at verse 14. 
So Jesus brings these two groups together, just like he does in your marriage, just like he does with anybody, and he does in a church. We're all different. We all come from different backgrounds. How do you make it work? Jesus has to be first. But notice what Jesus did. Between the two, they had hostility here. Now notice in verse 14, and keep this slide up, Jonathan, for he is our what? Peace. In other words, how did the two groups of people, different personalities, different upbringings, how's it going to work? My brother-in-law is a missionary in Canada, okay? He has been there for 20 years, Vancouver, Canada. You know how many nationalities he has in his church? 18 different countries in his church, okay? Now, they only run about 100, but... Uh, 18, can you imagine 18 different countries in your church? That means the people from Iran, he's got some Iranians, they, do, they were brought up a certain way than the, the Americans, Canadians, the Africans, the Mexicans, and different things here. And it's kind of like hillbilly stew. You know, sometimes, you know what hillbilly stew is? You just kind of dump it all in and say, stir it together and hope it tastes good. Amen? Now, but you realize, folks, God says, I want my church, I want my church to be like me. And the only church that can be like me in marriage and relationship is I've got to be a part of that relationship. That ought to be your goal for your marriage and yourself here. But notice what he says. Jesus is our peace. Notice what he does. Who has made both groups one. Okay? He has started the church here, okay? He's not, a, he's not abolished the Jews. He's got a he temporary, if you read Romans 11, set them aside. He's going to bring them back here, and I'm excited when he does that. But notice what he says right here. He's our peace, having made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us here. Now, let's, what does that verse mean here? Back in Bible days... Jewish people would worship in the temple. It was called the house of God, okay? It's where the God's presence was in the holy place. There was an altar, and there was a court right here. As you can see right here, and I'm going to go over here, there was a court where Jewish, the women could come here, and the Israelites could come here, and only the high, only one person only could come there, okay? But everybody Jewish could come here. Imagine a Gentile saying, I just want to worship God with my fellow Jews here, okay? Can you imagine them saying, why can't I do that here? Now, the question is, why couldn't they do that? Jesus wasn't part of the picture yet. And they had a hostility toward each other here. You say, how do you know that? Well, look at the next two verses of what Jesus has done toward their hostility here. Look at look what it says right here. Toward each other. It says, he, he broke down the wall, okay, and then it says in verse uh, 16, verse 15, having abolished, done away with in his flesh, notice that word enmity here. What's that mean? It means hostility. 
even the law of the commandments contained an ordinance for to make in himself of one new man making what? Peace. So was there hostility between the two groups? Yeah, that's why there was a wall set up here. Can you imagine if you're a Gentile saying, I want to go worship God, and a Jew says, no, you cannot do this. I was talking to a Muslim man, an older Muslim man one time, and he was, uh, he was a father-in-law to one of our kids that we had had, and we were visiting them in Washington, D.C., and I asked him, I said, uh, I, I, my, my daughter and I, had, I said, uh, you want to go in a mosque and see what it's like? So my, my, my other kids were chicken, and I said, let's just do it. Let's just see what it's like. And so I walked in there and made, and made Rebecca wear a veil. And so I'm in there checking it out, seeing what's going on. And I asked the guy, I say, uh, hey, uh, it, it, can, can I go to Mecca? And he says, no, 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 no. You can't go to Mecca. And I said, well, why couldn't I go to Mecca here? I could walk in here, he said, in, in Mecca, and how many are familiar with Mecca? It's where the, in, in Saudi Arabia, it's where the, the Jewish place is, where everybody has to go there. He says, there is a special, it's a Muslim, sorry, thank you, Jim. It's a, it's a Muslim, I can get myself in trouble with saying that. It's, it's, a, it's a Muslim holy place, okay? And only Muslims are allowed there, and you have to go there at one time. And I asked him, I said, well, what if I just wanted to drive up there? He said, no, 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 you couldn't even do that. There's a special exit. There's a special exit that takes you all the way around. And, you're, and I said, so I couldn't even go in there? He said, no, no, you couldn't even go in there. And I thought to myself, what if you were the one true God and I wanted to know it? I wouldn't want no part of that relationship, amen? Now, can you imagine, can you imagine the hostility between the two groups here? And does God want to portray hostility to the world? No. So God says, I got to make people new. I got to change them. Does he change your personality? No, when I got saved, he didn't change my personality. He didn't change my looks. I have a few more pounds on me than I got saved. But he changed me from the inside, and he created a new man, and he came to live inside of me, and he came to be inside of me, and he said, this is God's house now. Okay? Now, in the Old Testament, that was God's house. But in the New Testament, was there hostility between the two? How are they ever going to make peace? Keep reading right here before we get into the, the metaphor and, and give you a couple principles. Look at verse 16. It says that he might reconcile. Now, what's that mean to reconcile, folks? Put back together both unto God into one body. That means we're united by the cross having slain the what? Hostility thereby. Now, and, and how did he do it? And he came and preached to you which were far off and to them that were nigh. For through him, through Jesus, we have access by one what, folks? Spirit unto the Father here. So let me ask you a question. Was there hostility between the two groups? Can there be hostility in homes? I'm not talking about how we all have disagreements, amen? Okay. Tom and Sarah have been married 60-some years, and they'll tell you, they've told me, everybody has disagreements. And let me ask you a question in church. Everybody doesn't see eye to eye sometimes, amen? Amen, okay? And, and, and in a marriage, let's, let's agree with this. We don't always see eye to eye on things, amen? Okay, but let me ask you a question here. How do you keep from hostility not coming in? 
What if hostility walked through that door today instead of the Holy Spirit? You know, I've seen hostility come into churches before instead of the Holy Spirit. And it's not pretty. Amen? I've seen hostility in marriages instead of the Holy Spirit, and it's not pretty here. So my question to you is, God is building a house right here, okay? And the way to have those relationships change from hostility to peace, it comes from Jesus Christ, and it comes from the Holy Spirit. Now, that means, number one, every church member ought to examine, are you born again? Are you saved? If you're not saved, you don't got the Holy Spirit. Amen? And if you're not saved, you got, you're, you, there is a place called hell, okay? Okay, and there's a place called heaven, okay? But when you get saved, you get the Holy Spirit. And people need to understand the Holy Spirit's job, according to the Bible, is to make us like who? It's simple. Let me say that again. The Holy Spirit's job is to convict us, to get us saved, and to make us like Jesus Christ. Plain, simple arithmetic, amen? That's his job to make us like Jesus Christ, amen? Now, let me ask you a question. Would this be a tough job to do with Jewish person and Gentiles who have hostility? But God can do anything through Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit. So what God does, instead of making a building here, God brings them together here. Now, notice in verse 19. Look quickly at what he does in verse 19. Now, therefore, now that you're saved, and now he's talking to the people that they're us. You are no more what, folks? Now, let's pause right here. What is a stranger? A stranger is a person passing through, usually from that, that goes to maybe a different place or a different country here. How many have ever been to a place before? I've had people before. I remember one day there was a person over here at Exxon, and I said to him, I said, uh, you're not from around here, are you? And he said, no. He was from up in New York City here. And I said, uh, he said, what made you ask? I said, well, your accent gave it, gave it away a little bit, okay? And I said, uh, I know how country folks are in a, in a small town, and he was a stranger here, okay? Now, I remember when I first moved here 23 years ago, okay, I came from a different area, okay? Grew up and uh, grew up in Parkersburg and Belper, Ohio, went to Bible College near Chicago, served in Illinois, Virginia, and moved to the country. And when I first came, I was a stranger here, okay? Now, what is a stranger here? Is it, are you closely, now I can talk to anybody and I can, I can talk to a stranger and we can become friends, okay? But what is a stranger quickly? Brother Kenny, what's a stranger? Yeah, we're very stranger. I'm just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Family. Yeah. Yeah. Now, can you have you ever? How many have ever been to a place, okay, that you're visiting, and people ask you because they they can tell by maybe the way you act, talk, okay, you travel from outside the area. How many have ever asked you, "Are you a stranger from here?" 
I remember one time I went to New York City one time, just one time, okay? And I got lost, okay? I was a teenager. I was, I was an explorer from my cousin. Long story here. And I can remember coming up to New York City, and, and we would pull up there, and there was a stoplight, and these little kids would come up to us and uh, wash our windows, and then they would go, and I, I would be like, what are they, what are they want a handshake, want a high five? No, my cousin says, I've been here a lot. They want some money here, <laughs> okay? And I'm like, oh, I didn't know. They must, they must know that I'm a stranger here. Now, let me ask you a question. How do you feel when a stranger walks into your church? Do you go up to that person? The only way to make him feel like he belongs in God's house or the worship place and make a family is you got to be Jesus to that stranger. you got to go up to that stranger and shy. Well, the Holy Spirit's not shy. God says he's not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us power. So I was once shy. You don't believe that, do you? I was once shy, but God, through his spirit, helped me to overcome shy. My wife was shy when she grew up. She would, her family would come, and she would hide behind her dad for her family. And she suddenly had to become a pastor's wife where she had to say, welcome here. Now, she would say, Holy Spirit, help me. Help me because i got to welcome strangers here. Okay? It ought to be your goal to ask the Holy Spirit, okay, when somebody walks through that door, if they are a stranger, be Jesus to that person. That ought to be our church's goal. That starts with the handshake at the door. That starts if, how are you doing here? But look what it says right here. He's not a stranger. He's also a what? He's a foreigner here. Okay, What's a foreigner? Somebody that's, that's in a different country here. Technically, Kenny's right. We're in a different country. Our country is heaven here, eventually here. But foreigners act differently here. It's different in different countries, okay? I've had 14 countries in my home. Trust me, I know they're all different here. All nationalities are different here. Now, let me ask you a question. What would happen if a foreigner were coming here? How would you treat them? You treat them the same way. You say, hey, this is God's place where we worship. This is God's house. God lives inside of me here. If I want you to be one and feel welcome here, then I treat you here, as long as they're here legally. Amen? Okay? My point is okay. My point is okay here. This is how they were. But now they're fellow citizens here. Let's pause right here, okay? Isn't it great to be a part of a community? I don't know about you. One thing I love about our community here, the smallness here, everybody knows each other. How many like that? Okay, okay. That's, sometimes that's good and bad. Okay, okay. But, but my point is, isn't it, isn't it great, Brittany, when you had your little thing for readathon and the whole community came out? Isn't it a good feeling to have that? citizen, that small town feeling that you feel like you know each other and belong and if somebody has a need. At one time, they couldn't say that. They couldn't say that. They could say, you're not a citizen of God help. But now everything's changed. So let me ask you a question. How do you make people feel like they're fellow citizens here? 
is that a is that a goal that we should make as far as introducing people to Jesus Christ and making them feel like they are a part of a of a place? Mrs. Mr. and Mrs. Luby moved here, okay? And when they walked in, not only our church, but the area, they felt like they were at home, right? Here. Now, my point is okay. I bet you if you would have walked in and everybody would have been fighting and arguing, you would have said, I think we'll go somewhere else. Amen. <laughs> but my point is okay. It says you are a, a house. But look what he says quickly. With the saints and of the, notice how he describes it. He's talking about building a house, a metaphor of the household of God. Now, every house has to have a foundation, right? And notice what the foundation was. They are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ being the chief what? Okay. So, so every house is a metaphor. It's using a house, okay? If every house is going to be solid, it's got to be built on a solid foundation. I remember when we were doing this building here, we literally had to bring up another architect to design it for a wood floor versus a concrete floor, and he designed it here specifically for that way here so everything would be kosher and everything. But my point is okay here. When the early church started here, it wasn't their ideas here. They got everything from God here, the biblical truths here. Biblical truths matter for a foundation here. But let me ask you a question. If you have a bunch of head knowledge of biblical truth and you have a good foundation and you don't line up with Jesus Christ and show people to Jesus Christ, are you going to be a very sturdy church? Let's suppose everybody knows everything about the book of Revelation here, which I, we don't here, okay, and everything. But everybody says, I know this about the, I know this about the, this, the Bible. And you have a good foundation, which the apostles built that foundation nice and strong. But notice how everything's got to fit together. The most important part of the foundation was Jesus Christ being the what? Cornerstone. The cornerstone, Jim, you're a builder. It had to, it was the most, that's where it all started. Everything lined up with this. Now let me ask you a question here, okay? Should we have Bible doctrine, knowledge, and should we know our Bible? It's foundational to know your Bible, be in Sunday school and learn small groups, Bible studies, whatever, okay? But if we, if we just have Bible knowledge and we're not lined up with Jesus Christ, I know a lot of people who have a lot of head knowledge, but I surely don't see a lot of Jesus in them. I know people that know the Bible like it's left and the right here, but they sure don't know how to treat their wife right. They sure don't know how to do things right here. I know some pastors who have doctors, doctor, doctor behind their degree, but I sure wouldn't want to sit under them because you know why? They're not lined up with Jesus Christ. Now let me ask you a question. What happens with a foundation that's not lined up properly? It's going to break. It's going to fall. Okay? You know what a lot of marriages do? They fall because they're not lined up properly. Jesus is not involved a lot of relationships, they fall. A lot of churches, they fall because the house is built on something, but it's not started out right. And Jesus Christ has to be the center. Now look quickly here. So he's using the metaphor of the building here. And look at what he says right here. It says, now when you build a building, look at verse 21. 
of whom all the building, the house, they are fitly framed together. And what do they do? They grow unto a holy temple, not the building back in the Old Testament, the body, a person in the Lord here. So, how many have ever built a house? You build that foundation, what's the next thing that goes up? You frame, you start constructing it, Jim, you, you do that, and then you all build them together. How many have ever seen an Amish uh, barn raising before? It is the coolest thing in the world to see all these people building all these things, and everything is fitly framed together here. Now, you realize, folks, that means when we're fitly framed together, that means that I can be me, too. I don't have to be Nick, right, Nick? And you don't have to be me, okay? When you're fit together, you are designed how God wants you to be here. So let me ask you a question. In the church, do you have to be somebody who you have to be? Help me now. If you're fitly framed together here, God's joining you together how you are, okay? And, and my point is, okay, are we all different here quickly? We're all different here. Are there different personalities, different upbringings, different places? James moved from Florida. Florida is a little different than West Virginia. Would it not be? High rises, beaches, different things like this, okay? But James is a part of our church here, and he is fit together here. His personality may be different. He may be different here, but God wants him to be you. And you realize, folks, you need to be you in your church here, okay? You know who I am? And I hope for the last 23 years that you've seen that. This is who I am. If I tell a joke, I tell a joke. Amen? Now, have I grown some? Yeah. Okay? My point is, I like Ronnie. Ronnie comes up here if he wants to tell a joke. He'd be there. But my point is, okay, that's the way God designed it here. You be who you are. And notice he's joining this house together. And notice quickly and we'll be done. It says... Verse 22, on whom you also are built, how, folks? Oh, say that word again for me. Together. For a habitation, a living taste of God through the Spirit. Now, how many quickly when, are old enough to remember the Lone Ranger? Lone Ranger. I started to bring a picture up here. And for those of you that didn't remember, okay. okay. Are, should there be any Lone Rangers in the church where you say, I don't need the people. I just do it all by myself. I don't need to get to know people. I don't need the fellowship. I don't need this here. According to this verse here, are we supposed to be together? Now, let me ask you a question. What happens in a marriage or, or in a church or anything when you're not together? Where you go your way and you go away and you go away and you don't spend time and you don't build a marriage and you're not together. You're not on the same page. You don't make time for each other. You don't make boundaries here. What eventually can happen in any marriage? Divorce or problems here. Now let me ask you a question. Can God bring you together here? Oh, I like a good ending. Hallmark, well, I don't like Hallmark no more. That's a different story. That's another story. A few of them I don't like, but uh, my point is, okay, the old Hallmarks, okay? Okay, they always had a good ending, all right? My wife got me hooked up to them. I'd say, it's, it's going to have a good ending, okay? Now, let me ask you a question here, okay? Does God bring together people? Yeah, 
God brings different people to our church from all different, from Maryland. Uh, there's a family that, that they went to Virginia this week, but they've been coming from Virginia, from Florida, different people. Thank God for Brother Brad and Melissa and different people, Debbie, and uh, I don't want to name names, Brenda and all that, that. And all these people, God brings you together here. But you know what? We are the church. And the church, the way it's going to function, is not according to the building. You understand? I like a, I like to think, keep things looking nice and sharp. It's, it's, it expresses and things like this. Something needs fixed. But my point is, okay, if this building and that building burnt down, could we still have a church and still feel like the Spirit of God is there? Now, a couple quick things of goals, and I'll be done. Number one, you ought to make a goal for you and your church to keep yourself aligned with Christ. It's the cornerstone. You make sure, not your wife, unless you want accountability, make, that's a good thing, but you make sure you're in your word, you're doing what yourself. You examine yourself, too. You also, every day, you should ask God to fill you with his spirit. Have a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Because let me ask you a question here. How many have a fresh cup of coffee as I'm done every morning? How many have seen the movie War Room before? Raise your hand. You seen the War Room? Okay, you seen it last week? Okay, okay. What's Miss Claire bring out to the lady who's lukewarm? Help me now. What's Miss Claire bring out to the lady who's lukewarm? She brings out a lukewarm cup of coffee. She brings hot. And she, she sips her tea or coffee, and she's like, she says, Miss Claire, do you like your coffee? Lukewarm, she said, nope. She said, uh, I like it hot. On fire for God here. And uh, she said, why are you lukewarm? Is your pastor only there part-time? <laughs> and uh, my point is okay here. I want to encourage you, we can become lukewarm. As a church, we need to be spirit-filled, loving, welcoming, helping, Serving because you know what? When you walk outside this building, the house of God goes there. The house of God goes to work. The house of God goes in this community. The house of God goes through McDonald's. The house of God goes through McDonald's. Everywhere. The house of God gets together through different places. And my point is okay, we got to make sure there's no hostility. And the only way you can ever have no hostility. Is the Holy Spirit's got to work in your marriage here. And I want to encourage you, not only your marriage this year, to set some goals. That we're going to have a strong family, a strong church here. Because without a strong church, and without Jesus and the Holy Spirit, where could our church eventually, what could happen eventually to our church? It could fall. You say, well, it, it could never fall. I've seen a lot of big, big churches fall in small, small churches, so never say it can never happen. I hope it doesn't. <laughs> Amen. I do preventative maintenance, but we're doing a building. And you know what? It's a pretty building. Amen. We put some money into it. Thank God for people. Amen. But you know what? I'd rather see a prettier marriage than a run-down building. I'd rather see people loving each other. But I praise the Lord for having a good building. Amen. But my point is, okay, be the church. It's a 
we are the house of God.